Hello? How did you get this number? Don't you know he's listening? The 13. He's here. You have entered The 13. A place where real stories about music, touring, and the beyond are told. Music does something to us. We all experience it in our own way. It can affect our senses, transport us through time, and release emotions. On this podcast, we will talk with people about the power of music and the beyond. What does the beyond mean? Let's find out together. Turn on your metronomes because this time is about to be tracked. What is going on, everybody? This is Ryan 13, and we are on the 13. Today, I have the almighty, the greatest riff master of all time, Big Bald Mike. How are you doing today, my friend? Doing well. Good to see you again. It's good to see you too, man. We haven't seen each other in real life in like a decade or more. Uh, more. 11 yeah. years. It's been 11 years since we've seen each other years. in person. That's person. crazy to me. Yeah. We, need to, we need to change that. It sounds good to me. So, um, ah, badass. So, for the people who don't know you uh, and don't know about you, tell the people a little bit about yourself and what you got going on. Yeah. So, I actually don't use the name Big Bald Mike anymore. Oh, okay. Sorry. I could. You want to redo that? No. No. Okay. There's no need to redo. It's just um, I'm not as big as in. I'm not as big and well, I guess I'm still as bald, but uh, <laughs> I'm definitely not as big as I used to be. And right on. Um, there's been some changes over the past, um, <laughs> literally over the last decade, but in the last few years, yeah, for sure, there's been a rapid onset of all kinds of changes, uh, sure. physically, personally, just everything transformationally. So my nickname used to be Bone Breaker. Right. You know, some people might know I opened it after I left the music and Race of 13 and went on to other things. I ended up opening a gym called Bonebreaker Barbell. Bonebreaker right. was a nickname that I had, had from being a bouncer back in my late teens and kind of picked it up again whenever I started, uh, I guess you could say, getting on the internet. There was a bunch of vegans. I was in the vegan strength community and uh, they saw... Big Bald Mike trains at Bonebreaker Barbell. Well, pretty soon they just started calling me Bonebreaker again. Right. And I was like, oh, that works. And so, you know, and I, my whole life was a caricature. I played up the uh, played up the big giant, you know, Hellraiser. And so right. that was appropriate and fitting. But after the, the events of the last few years have gone down and I've kind of disappeared uh, for all kinds of reasons that I'm happy to share any of that, you know, to an extent. Um, the um, the shortened version. Actually, where did that come from? So most people these days call me Bones. Bones. If you come to Austin, Texas, and you know anyone in my circle, and you say who's Mike, or, or who's like where's Big Bald Mike, where's Bone Breaker, no, they're not going to have a clue. But if you say Bones, they'll be like, oh yeah, we know about Bones. Okay. It seemed like a less kind of. I tried to get rid of that whole badass image because that was never really who I was. I was never really that giant bone breaker goofy character. 
Right. Uh, I did something. I tried to deceive people. I was actually just, I was actually deceiving myself. Sure. I deceived myself with the persona for a long time for, you know, a lot of reasons that I'm pouring into finishing up a documentary for 15 years and also a memoir. I've been writing a book for almost a decade at this point. Wow. Uh, but the story just kept evolving. I wasn't telling the truth. Uh, so anyways, big complicated mess. I wound up being bones because whenever I was living out in Phoenix, so I, I ended up closing my gym down in 2017 and headed for Los Angeles. I thought, you know, maybe, you know, I'll find some redemption out there and get another TV show going. And as you know, I was candidate for quite a few television shows back in the right. day. But, you know, the, the personal story of how I overcame a bunch of adversity and um, used pro wrestling and music as that, you know, when we were doing the band and I was pro wrestling at the same time, you know, right. they, oh, yeah. they, they thought that was an interesting narrative. And so we, uh, we wound up, uh, you know, I wound up getting a lot of media coming after me. And so I thought, hey, this is my one last chance. Anyways, LA, I never made it there. I ended up like a UFO. I just crashed in the desert, Phoenix and stayed there yeah. for 18 months. And I was living in a gym. I was homeless, <laughs> living out of my truck until my truck got repossessed while I was eating some vegan Chinese food one day. Oh, shit. And then I moved into a gym and then like a storage closet. And they had a, a former uh, NFL player there who had a big fitness boot camp. And uh, we were working out together all the time. His name was Don, Dante Mock. Yeah, that was the name. Okay. What a wow. bad motherfucker he was. Hell and yeah. he... Um, he just started calling me Bones, you know, because I went around saying, hey, I'm both. You, right. A lot of people yeah. probably remember the voice. They're probably um, coming back to Austin. Nobody recognizing me because I look completely different with my aesthetic yeah. and the things I'm involved in now. And so first thing people say when they see me is they're like, what happened to the voice? I mean, I can't even mimic how my voice used to be. Okay. You know, yeah oh yeah i can't even do it anymore like we need but, to go back and watch the uh, youtube video of you talking about bob ross uh, bone breaker oh my gosh that's that's Leave bob ross alone <laughs> i can't do it either because you had a big grizzly fucking voice and that, i mean yeah yeah and, and my chest cavity was also probably about 20 inches bigger back then sure so it it gave a lot of um uh a resonance, resonance for that yeah. sound absolutely but anyways i'm just walking around the gym out there in arizona like you know i am bone breaker and uh anyways dante mock started calling me bones when cool. i got back to austin i didn't want anybody really knowing who i was i didn't want anyone knowing my backstory because i had to put quite a few pieces of my life back together and i yeah. didn't want to come back to austin but i wound up here sure 2019 and so anyways that was a long rambling tangent of like why my name has changed, but it's, it's awesome. um, I only go by bones these days okay, or bones. sometimes it's something else, but uh, probably save that story for a little bit later. Okay. Right on, man. Well, all right. Bones or can I still call you Mike though? <laughs> sure. I, I respond to it. I respond to it. I mean, I've known, yeah. so for everyone who's listening, uh, I've known Mike since uh, I was 12, I think. So yeah. not what, 1996 something like that 90, yeah 1996 and, um so you used to live when i first met gabe and kelly y'all lived uh, uh, in a house across from uh katie high school 
uh, and I met them on the bus. But then later you right. guys moved down the street, uh, not too far away to, to Hoyt Lane, and you lived a cow pasture away from me. And then we, right. I would walk through the cow pasture to come hang out with you guys and, and Chad and whoever else lived on that street. And so over and then you guys, you played guitar. So you got to imagine I'm this 12 year old kid who has a guitar who does not know how to play it. And I walk, I walk over to this, you know, kid's house, Gabe, I know. And there's his brother playing this Ibanez shredding on it with a, what did you have? You had a crate blue. That wasn't a blue voodoo. It was, what was the, it was a, um, a Excalibur. Excalibur. Right. Yeah. You had a crate Excalibur you're That's shredding right. on it. And I was like, I gotta be friends with this dude. <laughs> yeah. And that's how we met. And years go by and we've been, we were in several different bands, Southern Metal Project. There was one before that. I don't even remember what the name of it was. We uh, never had an official name, but you had a list one time. Yeah. Just uh, this huge list. And I, I was thinking, um, let's pick this one. It was, and you had said one third of a face. One third of a face. You were out of your mind back then, man. Uh, it was, I was, you I was taking some. Off. A lot of acid back then. That's right. Yeah, you were you were the acid man. And so one third I of the face. Like, I forgot about that. I think I even made a sticker for it. Probably. And the project absolutely never consecrated. But I thought that okay, of all the names, that's that's the one to go with. But yeah, we never played a show or anything. Project, we yeah. we played for the neighborhood kids, and we one time we played our our best song over and over and over again, hoping that Doug Pennick would walk in the door because he was coming <laughs> to pick me up. You remember that? Like he was coming to wow. pick me up and we're like, well, let's just keep playing. And he'll walk in and be like, wow, this is great. <laughs> and we played that song. I was like, we'll play it again. <laughs> so we played that song like 20 times. And he, I think oh, he yeah, paged no. me. I think I had a pager at the time and he had like paged me like 50 times. Like I'm out front, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a weird story too, because there was probably a part of him. He never came in that house. Actually, yeah. Uh, to, to divert a little bit, uh, a weird story. The uh, the, the guitarist and, and other vocalist, the King's X, Ty Tabor, his son ended up going to prom with my sister. Yeah, I remember that. So I'm um, in the living room and I see Ty Tabor walking up to my driveway. Yeah. And I'm like, what in the motherfuck is going on? <laughs> like, I'm, and so I run and go answer the door, and I'm like, and I, and I, and I, I didn't see Josh, that's his son. Yeah. Like, I just saw Ty walking up, and I like ran over, out of that living room to come over to the front door. And um, that was the house on Avenue B, right? I don't know. It was the one. It was it was the house that it was the house that um, the that King's, King's X had to, actually had a history with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And their old manager, which is uh, probably won't don't want to open up any worms on that. But I mean, right. they, nah, anyways, Doug, Doug. Yeah, when I talked to Doug about it briefly, he said we're not bringing up any names. I said, okay, <laughs> got it. Okay, so yeah, so supposedly this house was someone that they had worked with, and anyways, Ty comes up to the front door, and I'm like, oh, oh, Josh, what's up? He goes, oh, I'm going to your problem with your sister. And I said, oh, I didn't know. And then Josh just does this, well, here he is. And I'm like, um, <laughs> hi there, Mr. Tabor. He just goes, Ty. I'm like, okay, Ty. So he comes yeah. in the house and he's got like these crazy eyes because I don't know how long it had been since he had been in that house. But yeah, 
And then we started going back into the room, which was like this kind of weird garage converted into a basement. He was like, oh, yeah. this was a recording studio. And then there was this other room kind of uh, with this stained glass on it. And he goes, yeah. that was a video editing room. So he's literally like walking through, giving me the tour of that house and, you know, how, so. Doug probably didn't walk in to listen to us playing to our Nintendo music uh, because right. maybe he was just like, mm, I don't want to go up that driveway. Right. Yeah, I I I loved that house. I loved when we were in that band, one third of a face or whatever. And I was I would sleep on the floor with Colt. Colt had the bed. I slept on the floor. You slept in that video editing room or whatever, uh, yeah. or the control room. And we would go to sleep listening to Lacuna Coil. That was like the first time I'd ever heard Lacuna Coil. I think yes. it was their first album. Uh, no, it was the third. It was the Unleashed Memories record. Oh, okay. And uh, I just remembered thinking, I've never heard a girl sing over metal before and how beautiful so she was and i'm still a huge fan of lacuna coil to this day so christina stadia yeah yes. probably, probably not the right pronunciation but yeah she and, was uh, she, she was very very badass have you heard their latest record that came out like during the pandemic it was heavy sure book it was yeah. so good i love yeah. it. i'm a big fan still and by the way they continue you to for... put out music that, that has their defined sound yeah and it just it just to, to somehow it sounds badass every single time i know and like they're getting i feel like they're maybe for a minute there some of it was a little like okay yeah this is lacuna coil but like that last record i was like this is lacuna coil <laughs> you know like, yeah. like hell yeah um but yeah thank you for turning me on to them because they're one of my lifelong bands man you've There's turned a lot me of on other to a lot of bands that yeah, there's some other funny shit that happened in the house. Who was your friend that used to crawl in the window after Stephen. doing meth all night and like Stephen. come for a beer? Stefan. <laughs> what a character name. Yeah, Stefan. He'd be like, hey, what's going on, guys? <laughs> you got a beer in here or he'd bring one? Show up at nine in the morning, just, yeah. He gave me dirt from Ed Gein's grave. You remember that? Oh, I remember that. And I brought it into the house and like we had to get rid of it. Oh, oh, yeah. My mom, uh, yeah, being a Christian lady, she is. That was um you were you were a very satanic young boy for doing something like that. Right. It wasn't um I remember I it had like this know. little insert that said this is the most evil dirt in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and it had a, a picture of Ed Gein's grape, some in, in like this little fucking like dime bag. Um yeah. So, so someone had like they had like printed that out and cut it but I mean, it was literally the size of a quarter right and somehow all that detail of his grave and everything is there with the words on it stuck in the bag with some dirt, some dirt that, some yeah. dirt from somebody's backyard and you know, like right. at gain's grave that's all you had to do back then the internet was just starting to bloom you were only like 17 years old so i mean like to you that was probably some of the coolest I, shit I believe I didn't believe the fuck out of it. I was like, whoa. Uh, I think Stefan gave me that. I think. Um, so let's get down, let's get down into the dirt. So anyway, sure. yeah, we've known each other for a long time. And the this uh set of podcasts that I've been doing has been talking with my friends I've toured with, and specifically friends I've toured with in Razor 13 uh slash King's X, uh, or worked with King's X and you and I played in the band Razor 13 for many years. We went through a bunch of different singers and wound up with the lead singer of King's X to do the final record. Like, 
that everything fell into place. It was crazy, man. I like it was crazy. Like all, you know, all of our singers had had their place and had their time and we had fun with with all of them, but it just wound up that Doug Pinnock bit was the man. And how like the musical gods graced us with that. I I still don't understand why, but I'm glad they did. Well, from what I remember, and I was on an extreme amount of opiates and alcohol back then, but from what I remember after we departed ways with the, the third singer, uh, I think I had told you and J-Rev, I'm, I'm going to trash the hard drives. I actually yeah, lived something. next to the recording studio. I had yeah. moved into a duplex next to the studio, so I was literally just walking across the gravel to go record the record for those three years that we were right. recording. I think I had said I was a very self-sabotaging, self-destructive person. You know, I had a lot of pain that I didn't tell anybody about. No one had any clue where that pain came from. Uh, uh, and still, no one knows the stories with it, but me and maybe a couple of people. But uh, I think that what it was is I had said, I'm going to go over to Paul's. I had a key. Yeah. Paul, we're talking about Paul Sarowski from Poda, who uh, right. also has a recording studio in Austin. And uh, I had a key to the studio, and I'm, I'm going to go grab those hard drives. And I'm going to like, smash them, piss all over them. Uh, and I think it was you. You must have called up Doug and been like, Mike's going to destroy the hard drives. And I don't really remember much after that. I remember going and getting. The tattoos on my head afterwards to after that big fight that we had with our last singer and uh which by the way she's awesome uh, i ended up seeing her uh like years later and uh like we had we had a good like a good great conversation but uh you know, anyways we um next thing you know we find ourselves at some barbecue restaurant doug Penix there saying I'll, I'll sing on the record and uh, well, I guess I'm not so motivated to throw away that hard drive after all. Right, dude. And we had we had written a lot. The re, you know one of the reasons that it was taking us so long in the studio was because we went from I was on drugs. Well, that yeah. With, I mean, I, so we're I, all, I all hit, of us were. <laughs> I hit a heroin addiction. Um, it was mostly opiates, which everyone knew I was popping those pills, but. It was, it was, I didn't. It, I don't. I did not know. Like to, to this day, I did had no idea you were popping pills back then. Like I, I knew you were drinking a lot. Like we'd be hanging out at the studio, and I watched you chug like a whole bottle of Gentleman Jack. Like me and Paul just sat there and watched you do it. I was like, holy fuck! <laughs> and yeah. I mean, I saw you do stuff like that a lot, but I didn't know. I didn't know until after you got off of them that you were on them. Yeah, man. There was a. Uh... I, there was another fellow musician who introduced me to these things called little yellow footballs. Yeah. I think they were called Norco 10325s. And that combined with a gentleman Jack or any other whiskey right. choice. Um, I was like 600 pounds at the time. And you would literally just start levitating. And you feel yeah. good. And so, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, of course I fucking hit that because then everything would been like, wanted to do an intervention and everybody drank so no one was going to call me out for drinking but right yeah so i think that's what it was is that um we also went through a couple of singers well we went so, through a few singers but you know 
I also was, I, I extremely delayed the recording process because I could never get takes right. And I kept changing my mind. So it was sure. fucking whacked out of my mind. Yeah, I remember, I remember. I actually take a lot of blame for that. There's no reason that should have taken three years to do, even well, though it went through three singers. But. Yeah, so we, we, we started going off. I don't know if Boss ever made it to that recording studio. Did Boss ever make it to that recording um, studio? He did. So it was like right in the beginning, but it was for a short to, period of time. Because we had, there were copies of him singing on those songs, Black Tooth Grin and mm. well, well, I don't. Cake. I'll, I'll, I don't remember him going. I'm not saying he didn't because, I mean, obviously back then we're, everything's blurred out for all of us. Um, but I remember we got Shannon from uh, Black Market Halos to yeah. join the group for a while. And that helped us get even heavier. So because the of his vocal. definitely range. started going heavier in that so we got. That's so also we got, around the time when, when we wrote the song for Mike Miller, the uh, Rage for the WWE entrance music. Absolutely. And so that that took the band in a heavier direction. Yep. And we started getting heavier. You started writing things like Minister of Pain for another guy. Uh, yeah, he was an he was MMA fighter. Yep. And then and then it just wasn't working out. Uh, Shannon had to come a long way to uh, to rehearse and do like stuff. He, and, he was from he was coming from New Orleans, right? Um, like Lafayette. Somewhere in Louisiana, right? Yeah, I think it was Lafayette or something. But yeah, over in that area, so it was a really long way. And he would have to stay for long periods of time, and he had kids, and, you know, it just, it wasn't, it it was too much to do that and his other band. So so we parted ways, and then we had Carrie show up, and then we parted ways with her. But when Carrie showed up, that made us, because we had female vocals, that made us transition to more melodic stuff while maintaining... A heaviness which altered the recording process so like we wrote sure. i think we're, you wrote like 20 songs or something total at least for the record and we came out with like 10 and we i mean if you think about how many yeah. songs we wrote just as razor 13 um i mean 30 i don't know how many there was a lot something like that just from the beginning to the end like and yeah. we got we got 10 all recorded and put out into the um multiverse <laughs> right and there's a great there's record and it sells, it was, in some form somewhere and it sells on ebay for what was it 150 dollars a piece or something it's crazy what does the razor 13 record yeah wow it's pretty yeah. cool e- ebay if anyone wants to ebay razor 13 reflections right now on your phone it is uh it's for the cheap cheap price of 150 dollars <laughs> how many how many copies of that request i don't remember a thousand i think it was a thousand thousand there's only one thousand copies of it and that's why it's it's because it's doug pinnock's only thing that no one can get you know you can get it on online all you want but people want the cd fans want the liner notes they want all that good stuff and uh yeah and anything doug touches turns to royalty yeah, yeah absolutely yeah and they they want to see our 24 page booklet musicians of all time the the most epic booklet for a first time band uh it's like record it's like every all the liner notes i think you know, i think i even them. i think i even thanked vegetarian egg rolls at china palace on airport boulevard <laughs> i think my liner notes took up an, an entire page yeah they i think it was a page and a quarter like it was i haven't looked at that record in a while but it was a lot you're like big egg rolls. Egg, egg rolls i think i think egg rolls yeah 
I think I kept my list kind of short because uh, I I knew Doug would keep his short, but Doug kept his even extra short. I was like, damn it. <laughs> you know, like, but yeah, that was a fun, that was a fun record, dude. I had a lot of fun making it. And so I want to talk about tour stories with you. Uh, and I want to go back. I want to go back to the Hellraiser tour. That's our first tour. This is 2006, like the beginning of 2006. Am I thinking right? I and, want to say April, but I could be wrong. Okay. So first quarter, of, you know, sort of, of uh, 2006, we are a brand new band because you came, first of all, a little backstory. You came to a King's X show in Dallas or Waco or Fort Worth or something. At Trees. Trees and, in Dallas. And then you brought me a bass guitar because you and me have been talking on the phone and well boss bought and brought me a bass guitar it was the tell you ride okay and you and boss came and oh like you and me had been talking like i want you to join my band at playing bass and i'm like i've been in two bands with this guy and he kicked me out both times <laughs> at least that's how it felt and and i was like okay yeah sure i'll do it whatever and but i also thought we were just bullshitting because we would just talk about making music all the time I thought, yeah, it's going to be another one of those things where we talk about it and maybe it comes true, maybe it doesn't. But then you guys showed up with this bass. And I was like, oh, shit, they mean business. And then you're like, here's two songs, Black Tooth Grin and Life Uncertain. You know, learn oh, these, wow. learn these songs, learn how to wait, play wait. bass. How did I even, how did I bring you those as a cassette tape or something? I think it was a cassette tape. Yeah. <laughs> and because uh, I don't know how you recorded it, but I. I think it was a cassette tape or a CD. I, I had one of those um, cassette recorders that doctors would use for like dictation. Oh, okay. And I think I had played those on there and then put a, put that cassette into a stereo, played it on playback, and then made another tape recording to have like an, an overdub for like the, because you know everything, oh, wow. I did have a guitar yeah. solo. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think, I think, or, and I think he sang on, and then, we put it in another tape deck because there was multi tracks, but it was literally we were just using tape decks and this dictation tape. So wow, I remember now. Wow, yeah. And so I got that's that was a crazy way to do it. I mean, that's cool. That's that's how to do it. But yeah, but that it, 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 I mean, that's like something someone would do in the nineteen seventies. <laughs> well, I mean, dude, you got back the even back then. It was so like it's recording is nothing. You know how it is now sit down you have a little interface like you're you're making your own music you sit down have your interface plug in your stuff get to go but back then yeah. it was like okay what what do i got what do i have to engineer to make this happen you know right because everything else was so expensive and we're just musicians you know um but anyway so, so you, the, the dallas uh, show trees yeah so you brought me the the bass uh finished the tour um introduced you to j-rab whatever j-rab yeah, j-rab J-Reb was a tech for King's X. And that's, that was the first time I met him, too, was on that tour. Uh, I guess he traveled to, to Marlin. And I went back home for the holidays. And after the holidays, I came back. So this is like the new year. So it's 2006, maybe, or maybe, or was it right after Christmas? I don't know if it was the new year, if it was right after Christmas or right it after was. New Year's. Yeah. Okay, so I came right after Christmas. And then we started the band. And... Um, Anyway, so like, so four months later, four months later, we're on a fucking Hellraiser tour on a tour bus on a tour bus. So 
oh, man, I just don't remember it being so fast, but it really was. That yeah. band was such a whirlwind. We came in, we had our, I don't how much, how long was our set? Our set was 30 minutes or something. No way it was that long. It was five songs. We had five songs. We five. went on tour with five songs. Yeah. Now let's not be misleading here. Right. My father was the sponsor. Right. Of Razor 13. <clears throat> and he knew that in order for me to do anything with the levels of pain that I had because of my physical issues from all the drugs and alcohol I was doing. Uh, plus, he kind of wanted to live a rock and roll lifestyle. You know, you know, he went into medicine instead of music, and he wanted to live vicariously, and so he was happy to, um, you know, to do things like that. Yeah, yeah. I just don't oh, want yeah. it to sound like we were together four months oh, with yeah, five yeah, songs yeah. in. Right. Uh, fucking yeah. Megan Force Records was putting us on tour with, right. uh, yeah. with no. writers and all that. You know, sorry to burst the bubble, but... You know, no, there's, no. there's lots of people that go out there and tour and have music videos and, you know, they have people that believe in them that pay for it. You know, I used sure. to be embarrassed by that kind of thing because it'd be like, well, but it's like um, we were there and we did it and yeah. someone believed in us. Now, so. Doc, if if your dad was here, I would definitely be, he would be part of this podcast because he was definitely the, you know, fifth or sixth, whatever. You know, he's part of the band. He was a member of the band 100%. And Which he was here too, man. Yeah, he was fucking awesome, and we wouldn't have done any of the stuff we had done without him. I, you know, firmly believe that. Um, a very kind so, and compassionate man who, uh, yeah, like really, um, really made an awesome opportunity for us. He sure did. So we're on that Hellraiser tour, and. <laughs> I mean, dude, there's so many stories from that tour. I don't even know where to start. And there's some I don't even know if I want to talk about. <laughs> well, first of all, tell the story about um, how we even, because the name in itself was pretty cool. The Hellraiser tour? Yes, yeah, because of the other band, Six Past yeah. Hell. Six Past Hell. We, they were another Houston area band that we played shows with and were good friends with. You introduced me to them. And... Um, and then we went on tour with them. Hey, let's do this. We shared a tour bus. And that was to Los Angeles and back. And that was fun. And and then there was times that it was there. I mean, you put two bands on a bus, it's hard, you know? It's hard. But I had a great time the whole time. <laughs> we even met you. we even met Carrie on that trip in Las Vegas. That's right. She came and she made a big old stink and then was not having fun with our current lead singer at the time, boss, but uh that was Man. I remember that fight. Yeah. Man. Anyway, so you got any stories from that that you would like to share? Well, yeah. I actually, by the time we, I think I was sick for the the first few dates. I think we started in we started in Houston. Yeah. And then we played. I think we went all the way to over to Lafayette, and then Austin and San Antonio before we went all the way up on a long deadhead trip to L.A. Yeah, oh, I was. Yeah. I remember being sick for most of those four, four shows. Um, some kind of bug or whatever. I mean, that bus was musty as fuck too, man. That was like yeah. a, it was just like a 1993 Prevo bus that was probably that, had was it George chance. Lynch's bus. Yeah, but I don't want to blame him. Like, yeah. Oh like, yeah, uh, no, we're not blaming him. It's just, worker, but it's I just think, an like, old. It was just an older bus. I think the coach. Yeah, I think it was his tour bus at one point, and. Yeah. Uh, 
I think that the company probably had to change the cabin filters for some time. And hey, it's rock and roll, so who knows yeah. what the fuck it's. Uh, there's know, cigarette. There's cigarette from. burns in my in my bunk. Yeah, like, there's yeah. holes in it. I was like, man, it must have been George's. And bunk. you would think with all those pills and bottles of whiskey I was putting away every day that my immune system would be like, really, a little old cigarette smoke in a tour bus bunk, and it it did it. It got me like yeah. ingested but um yeah. no i just when we made it to la um the tour that i met j-rab on that, I, that we came to you that show and brought you that face um y'all were on tour of the band called marto yeah i fucking love marto i wish i could i wish how I would you describe their sound like what did they were that they were kind of like the 70s i remember the singer yeah. having like a theremin that he would yeah aaron aaron mardo yeah but so the guitarist lived in hollywood yep what was his name Uh, rob rob but what did we call him bobcat that old bobcat yeah and this yeah he had his little curly hair i mean i mean what a star he was and he invited uh, us over to his house he picked us up and we showered there in, in, in hollywood and we were in the hollywood hills and we could see the hollywood sign yeah, uh, they took so us cool. to get like a big bucket of chicken, yeah. fried chicken from somewhere he kept talking about. And then when we did that show, oh, this is actually a good story. Um, so a lot of people who don't know how touring works, uh, you know, normally you have, you advance a show, you hope to have a following, you send out promotion material or a promoter does it for you, you show up, you know. They pay you, they're done. Uh, the way it works in that way is that you have to pay to play a show. Yeah. A lot of people don't know about this, but I think we had to buy something like 30 tickets at $7 a pop. So I think it yeah. cost us $210, even though we're showing up on a tour bus, which doesn't really mean shit. Right. Yeah. It's like, and we were the headliner. We were the yeah. headliner at this show on Melrose Avenue. At the gig. Was that the name of the place? Uh, okay. Yeah, it was called The Gig. Yeah. So we show up there and every band that played before us, and I think that Six Past Hell actually had a pretty good crowd because they had been on that TV show Battle for Ozfest. Yeah. And, and I think that's why we probably thought it was a good idea to, to tour with them because they sure. had they had a big fan base um, they in still LA do. from that. Yeah. yeah. I think well, they're, I think they're I about think to it, go on tour again or something. About to do something. That's, I had no clue they were even getting back together. I, I love it. Um, anyways, I think that, um, I think that's how we made business since it's like, hey, this is good exposure because they had a, you know, a following in LA yeah. from that, t- that TV show. Right. Anyway, so by the time we go on, I remember thinking, this place is incredible because they had a curtain draw. So the curtain oh yeah raised up vertically you remember this story i do i mean yeah i do yeah this is terrible my first time playing our first time playing la and yeah go ahead yeah so and everything goes fucking wrong so what happened was is the so the curtain raises vertically and literally like a a, a dj announcer at a strip club with tons of enthusiasm from houston texas welcome Razor 13, and they had the smoke machines coming. That curtain draw came up, and as soon as I go to hit that first chord, you know, bah, let's see, 
like at that exact moment, the battery in my tube screamer just died. Yeah. We were sound checking and everything was working great. I go to hit that big opening chord right before the curtain Done. finishes being up. And I go, it just goes, Burr! and we all <laughs> just look at each other. Because the thing is, is there was a lot of, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of fantasizing on the way out there. Like, oh yeah, we've been together four months. We're on a tour bus. Um, we're playing in LA. Who knows? There might be Sony and Capitol yeah. Records and Roadrunner. There's probably Roadrunner out there watching us. Just watching the band. Yeah, watching the band. Man, they go out to shows all the time. So there was a lot of exactly. Kind of, kind of like in that movie American Satan that you turned right. me on to. Oh, man, um, that was such a good movie. Yeah. So there was a lot of hype about this show, obviously. So as soon as that battery dies and I hit that chord, we just freeze. And I remember looking over at you, I looked in my in boss, the singer, and everyone just, no one's doing anything. Neither am I. I just keep <laughs> trying to squawk. And then people just start leaving. Yep. And immediately. Finally, um, Six one of the Scott from Six Pass Hell like runs over and just starts trying because we don't I had, I had a huge pedal board with all kinds of pedals. Yeah, would... He just starts unplugging everything. And during that time, I happen to look over at you <laughs> and, and, and you had this kind of look on your face where you like and it slowly turned from a grin of just like embarrassment and hopes and dreams dying to you eventually your head literally just started going. <laughs> I feel that burn almost 20 years later, however long ago that was. Man, I feel that. that can you believe it? In it was a lesson. In 2026, that will be 50, that will be 20 years. Yeah, that's crazy. So, anyways, um, wow, time flies. Anyways, he gets things plugged up. We end up doing our set. There's like five people left in the bar at this point. I was like, no. Let's go. Let's go get drunk. Yeah, and we did. And the bartender, there, lo- the bartender loved us. Of course they did, which makes no sense because, <laughs> you know, um, we didn't have that crew to, to for them to put tips in their jar. But right. yes, but maybe they just liked our sound. They were like, maybe "Oh, so. they're going to be the next Pantera." Right. Anyways, one cool takeaway from that is that we ended up getting to meet one of the singers of the band Brujeria. Yeah, who was also a special effects uh, horror movie uh, guy in Hollywood, right? And he was friends with everyone. Like, I mean, Joey had—I mean, he knew everyone. He, like, he was uh, such a cool guy. I ended up hanging out with him several times when I moved out to Phoenix, and I started to get another television show in development. And I'd go stop by his place. He lived in Beverly Hills in this little apartment, wow. and. Uh, but what had happened was that someone was trying to, a tow truck was trying to tow his car. And uh, I came and intervened. And so he was like, hey, thanks for having my back. Anyways, yeah. the reason why I went into that story is because Joey ended up dying last year, about this time last year. Um, what a fighter he was. Like, I had a real hard life. But, yeah. man, he, he did so much cool shit, like, the, you know, Touring with Brujeria, uh, making guts for all of our favorite horror movies like Hostel and 
right wrong turn and the walking dead but uh anyways that 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 horrible experience on stage embarrassment ended up being kind of cool that i ended up getting a friend out of that that i yeah. kept in communication with all the way up until passed away so anyway i'll just it was a, for anyone that, that remembers you know joey munoz uh you know, respect yeah respect um the it turned out that 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 tour taught us a lot of things it taught us a lot of things really quickly i mean checking your batteries that's one good thing you know um we look we were able because of your dad helping us out with that we were able to not we weren't skipping any steps because we still paid prices you know we still had to learn the hard way and just like any other band except we were just able to start learning the hard way really really fast yeah we weren't like it wasn't like we're a bunch of spoiled brats you know yeah daddy's paying for shit it was uh, right i mean everything that could have gone wrong still went wrong and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how much money you have behind you you don't have a stable group and you don't have business acumen and let's face it having business acumen in the, the music business um that's the elusive bigfoot show me proof of it i don't right. i still don't think it exists sure. some people just get lucky yeah some people and you gotta be at the right place at the right time all the time yeah um and eventually we were but the yeah the, that was man the hellraiser tour uh, the i remember so okay i i got my story from that well i got plenty of stories but this is a good one so we're in vegas we're playing the cheyenne saloon and we, i go out and I see the people that are there for us. I, well, I don't know if they're there for us, but they're there because they're watching a the band. I think we had a name for them because um, they looked like they were from the Hills Have Eyes or something. Oh, like the Gumbies. They didn't have bones. Like yeah, their yeah. joints, like they were like bending, like they had no <laughs> bone structure. It's like they were some kind of gelatinous material. And they were yeah. all like they were it was uh, weird. They were, they all had like super awesome. white hair. Yep. And they were all dressed in black and like the dad of the group, you know, like the elder was like his arms folded and his eyes rolled back. And he was just like, yeah, they were fucking having a blast. I loved them. But we got them like, like, what the fuck are we? This is like mutants from fucking um, like, like Vegas desert <laughs> nuclear experiments. Right. That's what, that's what but it felt like. The Gumby girl who was like moving like an alien with no bones was just, um, I thought I was, on, I mean, I was on drugs, but I thought I was on hallucinogens. Well, I know. I thought the same time you and me were like looking at each other, like what is going on here? But they were, they were our biggest fans. They, they were. I, I love them to death. Yeah, that was super, were. that was super awesome. And I went, I went back to the Cheyenne Saloon sometime later. I think you and me, maybe it was you and me, like when we went out there with Carrie uh, and we went back and uh uh, we yeah. went back and no one was playing that night, but the bartender and me went back into the bathroom and smoked weed. <laughs> and I was like, this is so cool. I'm smoking oh, that's, weed. that's when we drove out to Vegas to, to, to rehearse with her. Yeah. And did we play a show out there with her or was that only with boss? No, we didn't play a show with her there. Okay. We just played, we just jammed in that uh, recording Big space. rehearsal space and then went to dinner with her and Chris, Chris Frazier, the badass drummer yeah i just saw a post from him he what band is he in now white snake or something he's in something i know he's he gonna... played with he played with steve Vai, and then he also played with tribe after tribe um i literally I mean, just I mean, saw a post the guy is like a 
I mean, he's like, I mean, he's up there. Like, he's yeah. up there with like Mike Mangini, Mike Portnoy, Dennis Chambers. I mean, he's a, that guy's a session drummer, but man, like, I can't see it. I can't see him. Anyway, he just posted a, a yeah. cool photo. What is he's in Foreigner now? Okay, that makes sense. He had a real interesting like we actually jammed once at my dad's house in Marlin. Yeah. And um he started doing this syncopated groove. Yeah. And it was I was like thinking like um, okay, I've listened to prog metal. I'm a huge fan of Dream Theater. I'm a composer, you know, I'm pretty good at counting. He was playing in four four time and it sounded like it was multiple polymeters stacked. I mean, it was just um that guy was fucking He's good. Yeah. But the he funny was super nice too. The reason why I brought him up is because you know he had that rock star look. Yeah. And I remember us going to some emerald, the, the guy that bam, the yep. garlic. Yeah, I remember tea, going there. Sprinkled some garlic on it. We went to his restaurant in Vegas, and a big group of German people thought that he was Bono. Yeah. From U2. Yeah. And they stopped him and he goes, I'm sorry to disappoint you. And they're like, no, you're Bono. And then we just sat there because, you know, we all look like this hooligan crew. I'm wearing like a hillbilly hat. hat and overalls. with the overalls. Yeah. And so I gotta, I have as a we leave, the whole table stands up and it's like clapping and they're like singing some U2 song as he's walking out. I want to share my screen real quick with you and the audience. So here's my screen. Here's a picture of you and your dad at that restaurant. Oh, man, um, I have, I've never seen that photo of him. I have, uh, I got a bunch of photos from there and I can share them all with you. We were, I don't know, blur, blur, that's at that restaurant. Good old J-Rab. Remember that Razor 13 shirt? I do. He, he was making sure his Budweiser paired with his wine well. Bro, um, those, the hospitality there were thinking we were some group of freaks. Oh, look, Trump, there's a Trump hotel. That's funny. Um, more, more. I guess I thought it was really funny if J-Rab was drinking Budweiser and wine at this fancy place. I took a lot of photos of him. There's me, there's me wearing your hat. That's my hillbilly hat, right? That's your hillbilly hat. Let's see if we can find a photo of you with this hillbilly hat. There's Carrie and Chris Frazier. Oh, look at that. And then there's the waiter in the background probably looking at us like, who in the hell are these goons? Yeah, these guys are a fucking trip, dude. We were, we were a trip. There you are. We were like bad dudes in like a, a cheesy 80s movie. There's, a, there's your dad and uh, Betty. Betty. More Carrie. Wow, where is that? That's a somewhere. Caesar's, that's Caesar's Palace, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, hanging out, getting ready to go, getting ready to go out and have a good time. I, I miss my long red hair. I don't miss that shitty chin beard, though. <laughs> Look at that thing. <laughs> It's the only thing I could grow. I still can't. Look, I still can't grow facial hair. I'm 40 years old. Uh, a nice hotel room. That was a nice hotel room. We had a lot of fun. Let's see what else. I got I got other photos from that particular. Oh, I didn't mean to close. There it is. So that's, I got that. This is all from Vegas. So there's some okay. from our rehearsal studio. Uh. By the way, I still have about somewhere between six to eight digital tapes. We need a the video from that that need they need to be converted over to DVD. One hundred percent. I have no idea if they're any good. Holy Man, I forgot. Shit. I forgot. That's your setup, dude. Look that's at that. My old, that's my old VHT and Mesa. 
That thing was crunchy. That's, I the, that's the power ramp with those KT-88s. Yeah, that's right. There's Jared's butt. Oh, my God, I missed that shirt. Hanson sucks. It was all bleached out. You and your, you and your Metallica wristbands. My Metallica wristbands. Dude, I wanted to be James Hetfield. Those were actually baseball wristbands. Hey, he, uh, they definitely help when you're sweating on stage. What was that green pedal? Is that the Tube Screamer? Yeah, because it's upside down. It's, it looks like you're probably changing the battery or something. Yeah. We learned our lessons. Change the battery. Yeah. J-Rab. Sure what else we got in here? These are kind of some cool photos. That was the guy that was running the place, right? This guy with the long hair. Yeah. He, he, he looks like he would be like a um, like a crew member for Iron Maiden or something. Yeah. Yeah. He was definitely, he was a super cool guy. Kind of looks like Steve Harris section. Yeah, he does. Uh, well, anything? I don't remember those those oh, shirts. I, I love the Jerry Gaskell shirt. Shout out Jerry. to Jerry Gaskell. Yep. yep. Shout out Joe Jerry, King's X. Uh. Anyway, I could show. Oh my God! Look at the video camera. That, that's that's the footage you're talking about, folks. Right? This was only um, 2006. This is no, only like 15, 16 years ago. Like things yeah. that iPhones weren't even out there. Yep, iPhones weren't out then. Life was better. Um, yeah. Oh my God, my dime bag shorts. Wait, go back one. Those are definitely them. Is that the Razorback? Okay, that's the Razorback right there. Oh man, beautiful. Dime bag short. There it is. Uh, Betty, we just had a we just had a good old time, didn't we? But yeah, so uh, yeah, those are some good photos. I got a bunch of those photos. I can send them all to you. I think Jason uh, Peterson was that his last name. Yeah, Jason Peterson. That yeah, I've he, known that guy since he was five. Yeah, he was on. He was on that trip with us, uh, documenting it. He videotaped it, yep. and that's why they got the big ball got, mic. I think there's UFO footage too. We were being chased by a UFO out in uh, New Mexico. Yeah, and I remember. I rem there's there's some of it is on youtube i don't know if it still is but it's where you're going over the uh the dam the hoover dam oh dude i'm so afraid of heights and winding down that mountain this is before they built the pat tillman overpass they were, they were building it at yeah they were so this is when you still had to like wind down and wind up yeah. the mountains and then right. you like go over and i i, I don't know then i just thought it was just gonna be like a steep drop off and so um yeah, that was wild. Like, are we over it? Like, yeah, we're over. It. Are we over it? Like, yeah, sure. And then you hear J Rep. That's why there's observatory windows over there. And you turn, around, you turn and look. You're like, that was the best. Yeah, I was also, I was also needing some pills. So sure, was like, let's get the fucking Vegas. Like, how much longer is it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, it wasn't much longer after that. But yeah, I've got. I want to see at least six tapes. of that trip and i don't know what order they're in but um, yeah that i would love to see them because that we were filled that was going to be our dvd right we were filming yeah. a dvd and when then we never did we ended up changing singers and dropped the well we kept kind of going after we changed singers i think doug well that's think, when doug came in yeah then doug came in but then we were still videotaping afterwards i don't know because oh, okay. i remember i remember he came and um interviewed me at your house next door to Paul's studio. 
Oh, and, okay. and so there's like, I like went down the street to the gas station and got like three 24 ounce Budweiser's and chugged one. And it was like, all right, film me. <laughs> Cause I, I'm, I'm nervous about that stuff. I'm every time I start a pod, podcast, I'm physically shaking. I don't know why, especially sure. the live ones. I did a live one the other day with expanding reality. On, yeah. I heard about that. On like Saturday. Was a big group of people, huh? there was a, it was like, 10 people total and it was cool because i learned a whole bunch of stuff from the guys but i didn't know i didn't know where i fit in because they knew a lot about the subjects that they were talking about and okay. i knew i knew a little bit about everything they were talking about but not enough where i felt like i should speak you know so i just kind of was like this is uh this is uh brandon's podcast yeah brandon brandon thomas podcast it's called expanding reality and uh and Can't wait super, to listen. Yeah, it's super fun, man. Well, like he normally just does individual ones, but on the on Saturdays he does these these large group live hangs with all the other podcasters. So that's all those other people are doing podcasts. One of them was a comedian. I was talking to him about the uh, House of Blues because he used to work at the House of Blues, and he, I was like, "What's the comedy place?" He goes, "Oh, that's the Laugh Factory." You know. And, I went back and watched this dude, all this stuff on YouTube. He's hilarious. I can't remember what his name was. Brian something. That's the format now. People people love the podcast format. It's fun. I mean, this is fun. I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying this because I just get to hang out with you and I'm gonna record it and put it on the internet. Sure. But people will sit there and listen to a three to six hour podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Or they'll watch one. They're not, they'll, yeah. they'll not just listen. They'll actually just watch it. I mean, that's where a lot of people get a lot of information from. Right. Um, they just. Um... All right. So we've talked a little bit about some Razor 13 stories. We have plenty more we could talk about. But um, we also both kind of worked for King's X for a little bit. You did some security with them. You've been in a music video with them. <laughs> you helped out. You, yeah. well, through the alligator. Were you through the alligator? Yeah. Let's uh, let's what's what's one of your favorite King's X stories from uh, working with the guys? Oh. Man, I think about that. It's a bunch, man. Yes. Yeah, those are... Oh, oh, <laughs> I know the story, and it, it uh, doesn't directly involve King's X, but it's it, it's it's involves like Jerry's son. Sure. So actually, which, which one, Joey? Joey. Yeah. yeah. So Joey was um, Joey Gaskell. Love that guy. I love him We're, too. Um, at, at King's X was uh, playing at the same place where they filmed that video that where I threw the TV and they had me digitally throwing an alligator. Yeah, the Meridian. Was that the place? Okay. I think so. It was like over in the warehouse district. Yeah. So, so King's X was playing a show. And so backstage, that was a humongous backstage. That backstage was like its own hall. Yeah, yeah. And they had a big upright piano back there. Yep. And, um, you know, of course, you know, and it was good to see King's X. King's X, for people who don't know about King's X, their hometown shows, which, you know, Houston was their hometown for many years. The hometown shows are just, I mean, bodies are packed in like it's kids' last chance to see Slipknot. Like, I mean, right. it's just, and just, they, they don't even, they get overpowered by the vocals of the audience singing their songs. Like on Summerland, yeah. they usually just turn the microphones away because they're not going to be able to, I can't believe Summerland. Yeah, yeah. Like they, they can't even, 
overpower you know of six or seven hundred voices um and and you i remember you showing me video of that when you were over in germany with them yeah that's and amazing the, but i that, it was that uh i took that picture in london and they're singing that song where doug's got his his arms yeah wide open or whatever and, and i think I, I and i think he was actually really trying to perform that song and the audience just wouldn't let him they just yeah, so they just turn it around they just yeah they just it. like fuck it but anyways um so this was a great show and like king's x you know the, the home show in houston like all the catering they had back there but there was snacks galore and just yeah and, and our, our good friend marzi like marzi montessori the um yeah. you know the virtuoso Oh yeah, I can't even just call him a guitarist. That guy's a virtuoso. Any instrument he picks up, but he was back there, and so we're just. I got to get Marzi on this thing. You should, man. Um, I don't talk to him much anymore, but man, I've known that I've known him him since Mars Music. Mars Music in two thousand one. Yeah, they hired me like a week after September eleventh, like after the nine eleven deal. And uh, anyways, yeah, that. So anyways, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a who's who of who's who. Yeah, backstage right. at the right. King's X show, and I'm just I'm fascinated by this old upright piano. So I go over and start plucking on it, and there's a song called "Edge of Thorns" by a band called Sabotage, which was this '80s kind of like triumphant power metal band. Yeah, and it's a very distinct. It's a um, you probably won't be able to hear it. I was going to just play it on my piano back there, but. It's just in D minor. It's this, you know, and I start playing it, and Joey is just fucking loaded, yeah. just smiling. Like if anyone doesn't know, like like Jerry's son Joey, it's just such a big heart. The yeah, kid would absolutely. do anything for you. I keep calling him a kid. And, you know, he, he, that's a that's a big heart inside of a, a small person. Right. Sure. Anyways, he's um, he'd never seen me play piano, so he starts taking an interest. And um, <laughs> you just have to know Joey's mannerisms to really think this is funny. So, anyways, King's X is playing, and half of the audience seems to be back in this humongous green room. I'm playing the piano, and over all of that, Joey's focusing on what I'm doing. And he goes, "What is that?" And I go, "Oh, that's um, that's that, that's called sabotage." I didn't even get to finish uh, saying what song it was. Yeah, he goes, Oh, the beastie boys, it starts like dancing, <laughs> <laughs> and it was just the funniest shit ever because Beastie Boys has a song called Sabotage, right? All he heard was Sabotage, Sabotage, and he just starts, um, and Jumping I mean, around. I don't know, and, and, and I guess, like, how does that relate to King's X? That just goes to show because I don't really have one special King's X memory, just sure. any, any show I was at. And I've been to some out of town shows with y'all when y'all were doing the road crew. I wasn't a part of the permanent road crew, but I'd usually you'd show up and help out. And, yeah. yeah, like I remember Jay Phoebus, the was his name Phoebus? Yep, sound guy. Yeah, yeah for sound like guy. fucking years upon years. Yeah, I remember him, him being like, uh, that guy's not on the insurance. He can't keep lifting Doug's bass caps off the stage. Right. And, and I think y'all were trying to explain, no, you don't understand. Big Bald Mike was a professional strongman. They was only weigh 150. He's had pizzas bigger than that. Yeah. <laughs> but I would just like give me y'all would wheel dug shit. I'm just like lifting it. Anyways, but um yeah. uh anyways, just this um like every show there was a hometown Houston show. 
usually just had so many good memories of so many awesome other musicians that would show up and support them. And so it just really speaks to their legacy of the path they carved in the music scene and had yeah. so much respect. But when you say a favorite King's X memory, I mean, I could talk about driving through Ty Tabor's lawn, but I won't go through there. It really wasn't a fun memory for me. But no. yeah, uh, he, he, he called me afterwards and we were all good. And when I, I actually yeah. saw King's X when they played Phoenix when I was living out there and uh, got to catch up with all of them. And they're like, what are you doing on here? And then I hadn't seen J-Rab since the band broke up. Yeah. And he happened to be out there because I think he was living in Tucson. Right? I think so too, yeah. But anyways, it, it would probably be just any hometown Houston King's X show. Yeah. Um, you really walked out of there feeling like a winner. Just yeah. just doing things like hanging out with people that were there to support this. It's like everybody showed up to, it's like everyone showing up to pay homage to, to Mother Teresa. Like sure. that's the yeah. legacy they had. So. Yeah, man, I, 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 I have a lot of them. I have so many King's X uh, memories because I toured with them for so long that I, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like there's not, I could probably just start spouting some off, but like for the most part, it, they're all, they're all great. <laughs> like, you know, uh, and then there's some, I, like every time I think of one, I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't tell that one, <laughs> you know, but uh Dude, I've had a lot of fun hanging out with you today. I've asked you every single one of my questions on my list. Um, I would like awesome, to do this again uh, at some point, especially once I get better and um, and you're you've gotten some more stuff done. Um, with I don't know if you want to talk about that, what you're doing currently, or you want to not talk about that. No, I'm happy to. Um... And yeah, I'm totally down for, you know, send me that other directional mic you have and I'll, sure. I'll mine I'm, I'm in the, I've been in the process over the last few months of building my music studio back up, starting to acquire gear again. And, you know, because I lost everything being homeless. Right. You know, like a lot of stuff got stolen, got repossessed, when my truck got repossessed, the, yeah. the towing company took a bunch of my shit storage units broken into I mean, it's not like i had a whole lot but you know yeah. it all it adds up the only thing i was able to salvage through all those moves of running from my life's problems was um this 24 track task cam uh, yeah that i never had plugged in until like literally i had never even plugged it in and turned it on that and those, those monitors back there, those KRK monitors. Yeah, I can see them. Two months ago, they got red. they got turned on when, um, you know, I decided that I was going to start working on being a composer again, following yeah. that that dream. And two months later, I get my first offer to score a film. This is a uh, this film's gonna it's gonna be a hit, man. It is incredible. Um, a backstory on it is. Um, Onion Creek Productions is a big digital media company here in, in Austin. They have, uh, who has been filming my documentary since I used pro wrestling to get clean and sober for lack of better words, yeah. back in 2008, 2009. Right before we started touring with, you know, for the, that one year we toured with Doug doing some shows. Yeah, for the record. For the record. Um, anyways, this is their 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 feature film, 
and it's a stoner comedy. Oh, cool. And it's fucking hilarious. But there's a, there's a, I don't want to give it away, but there's a, there's a bigger social, there's a bigger, there's a bigger conscious message in the, the theme sure. of the movie. Okay. It's actually based on the film director's real life UT story of his first year when he went to film school and okay. he had a house and some interesting characters showed up that altered the course of his life and his sure. compassion for uh, and here they are 25 years later making the movie and there's a, a few scenes they actually listened to my Instagram where okay. I've just made yeah. um, a few piano string compositions over the last couple of years since yeah. my dad died and uh, I've just used that Instagram as mainly a uh, I guess you could say just like a, a place to put stuff so I'll remember it and I can go back and work on it later because right. you'll you'll be able to attest to my not just hate but just fear of technology. Sure. Oh yeah. Like, like all these years I never plugged up my 24 track. Right. Well, I took the money that they gave me from so anyways they 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 see a few of my Instagram videos and think that like I have the uplifting music that they want. Mm-hmm. For the few of these scenes, um, so I got my first offer and I got oh, paid already, and I took that and got a steal of a deal on a MacBook. Oh yeah, that I now have Composer software, and I've already been. I think I've, I've already scored about three cues, and this is like mostly symphonic strings, piano, oboe, stuff like that, orchestral music. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, to give those scenes but i just literally got that like two or three days ago yeah i and you've been sending me some stuff on instagram and let me listen to it and i'm so glad you're here you know you're you've you've embraced the technology and you're sitting there recording your music again because it's so fucking easy now and it gets it addicting you're like oh my god okay now i can do this now i can do this and you don't need anybody else you know i mean you do but you don't, you know, right. like you can make, you can do a whole record yourself now. So the goal is, is, um, spend the next little, probably through the summer, getting the, this refined perfectly for, for their film. And hopefully they use it with the chance they want. Yeah. And then just keep staying on. Cause now I'm addicted. Now I'm addicted to yeah. the easy, uh, there's symphonies, there's operas, there's concertos, there's etudes, there's sonatas, there's all kinds of stuff that I want to compose and just make kind of a, I want to come back into being a musician and have yeah. um, an identity with that. And, right on. Uh, now that I've sorted out all those personal issues that had me plagued for so many decades, right. I'm uh, in a place where I can do that and just make some music and I've done a live show. I did my first one back in February, and I have another one coming up in July 13th here in Austin. Okay. And um, awesome. I'll probably do another one at the end of the year, and we'll just see where this goes. Maybe I'll get some more work scoring films or you know, like other media things. But um, I, I have the technology bug now, yeah. so it, 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 it's going to keep going. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, I love it. Look, we're, we're doing a podcast, you know, this is, we're in a new, we're in a new world. Like, could you think about this in 2005, like 
think no. about this 2005 you would man that's so long ago now but like we would these didn't exist you know none of this you to record something you had to go into a studio you know if you didn't have if you didn't have a Tascam four track or i was gonna say like, the, the blue Tascam four track you yes. had that or you had to go spend fifty thousand in a studio yeah there's no in between and now you can pick up things like this and write a fucking symphony you know or whatever yeah. well i think that that kind of access should um it should be more inspiring to people to to be creative just yeah. let me tell you something all those years that i didn't create music after you know we stopped doing razor 13 like a yeah. part of me died inside sure absolutely 100 percent. And, and and i can tell you this since we stopped playing in 2010 i probably played guitar something that i used to play up to 10 hours a day i probably played less than 20 hours since 2010 damn uh, i i've done all kinds of stuff i i not as much as we played back then uh, i mean i've got i got this thing just sitting right here you the remember this thing bass. Yes, stripper bass that Schechter. yeah but i you know i still jam out a little bit but like the stuff that's behind me, you know, the, all the Razor 13 gear and stuff, it doesn't get turned on as much as it should because I can just plug right into my computer now and I can yeah. I don't I don't need any of that. That's just there for memories now, I guess. And sure. And like it looks like a nice little shrine over there. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff going on over there. Is that the, is that the crepe blue voodoo you got from Doug? Uh, yep, that's a crepe blue voodoo I got from Doug. Uh, on top of it's the my rack unit for Razor 13. Yep, a shrine to the old days, and then that's uh, Deadpool. <laughs> nice. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have a little internet band with Al. Well, we, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I we have, we have the idea, and we're right, like we were writing songs for a little while, um, and it was just all over the internet. Like, they wrote some stuff over there in their studio, sent it to me, I'm playing on it, and I can send it back to them and just throw ideas back and forth, which is cool. So you need a baseline for something. You can shoot me some shit and I'll write one for you. But the, uh, I, but besides that, you know, I got really deep into my YouTube channel and. Which like, is awesome, by the way, especially thanks. your, your, your hot Cheetos stir fry video. That's my favorite. That's your favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, I was a, I was just a weird idea. I was like stir fry noodles and they make these fucking flaming hot Cheeto macaroni it was delicious too by the way like that's some really i don't know how they did that i don't it was a good video it, it actually i told my sister when i talked to her earlier that it reminded me of the old chad and ryan show anyway yeah a hundred percent youtube youtube <laughs> makes me have you think, told anybody about the old chad and ryan show? i haven't i haven't talked about that i still have that on vhs though dude and we should transfer that over to totally something. should that was epic shit yeah little 13 year old potheads yeah, so me, uh, he's referring to me and my buddy Chad, uh, Chad, and we, we used to just get the fucking big camera or whatever, put it on top of the te the television, and we would record ourselves doing a show, and then we had skits and stoner. It was Steve. trippy. It, it yeah. looked like a it looked like a, a mushroom hallucinogenic trip, and we had some ambient music playing in the background, and 
it was brilliant we were we were weird children and we would play sometimes we do music videos like dancing to but pretending to be in metallica and we'd just be jamming with air guitars and shit <laughs> look at you now now you're living the dream look at you in your headphones and you're living the, your, living your the dream doing mic. dude you know what and i think you've just given me a great idea for uh one of my next podcasts i'm gonna get chad on it and do the chad and ryan pod we'll just do a chad and ryan podcast i haven't talked to him in a long show time show the People world just, something that they never knew that they needed to see they never knew they needed like on today on the 13 the chad and ryan show and then we'll do skits and it'll be fun that could be fun. All right, man, dude, I've had a blast hanging out with you. I want to just do, I just want to see you more. So maybe we just zoom just to zoom. We don't even have to record it, but I do want to have you back on the podcast as soon as you have, um, as soon as you're ready to, um, reveal the music that you're creating. Uh, I want to have you on and listen to it and maybe talk about it and go from there. Well, I'm currently working on building up a, uh, a platform and I guess you would say a database of music to release. So badass. I'm fucking stoked, dude. I love you so much. Thank you for coming and doing this for me. I love you too, Ryan. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. Everybody, this has been Ryan Cook with Bones. And uh I hope you all have a great day. Stay safe. I'll talk to you all soon. 